Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and in ministry, sharing cool stories from cool people. And we've got a super cool guy today. I'm excited to talk to him. Uh, talking a lot about business, talking about learning and gaining wisdom from millionaires. And at the same time, he's got some things in his past that I'm pretty excited about talking about. You know, I, I think we get a lot of people that redefining success, they really embody it. You know, they've gone through changes and stages in their life. I think I counted about five or six, and there's probably more in this guy's life. And he's not that old. So uh, I bet he's younger than me. We'll find out shortly. But uh, welcome. Before we get to the guest, I just want to remind everyone, just connect with us on all of our channels. We're on all the social channels at Seek, Go, Create. But especially go to our website, seekgocreate.com. That's where you can get extensive, detailed show notes for this episode and others. All the resources that we mention. If we mention a book or a website or, or if there's any resources from our guest, all of that is there plus a good outline form of the notes that will help you navigate everything that we discuss. So uh, make sure you go to seekgocreate.com. If it's your first time there, if your first time listening, if it's your first time there, give us your best email address. We'll keep you updated on all things that's happening with Seek Go Create. Today we have Sean Thomas as our guest. And Sean is an entrepreneur, TEDx speaker. I just listened to his TEDx just a few minutes ago. An Inc. 5000 award recipient and mentor to thousands as the Ask a Millionaire, which is a, a cool uh, cool brand that he's got there. For more than six years, he's been performing social media Q&A interviews and has been deemed the original live stream mentor. I might get some great tips and ideas, so y'all might get to listen as I ask questions. Sean, welcome to Seat Go Create. Good to see you, Tim. Good to be here. Yeah, glad that you are here. Sean, my first question, you and I just bump into each other somewhere. It's social business, whatever. And I just say, Sean, what do you do? What do you tell people when they ask you that question? I am the founder of an organization called Accelerators Organization, where we mentor startup entrepreneurs that are doing under a million dollars in annual revenues. Cool. So is that- And I'm, a avid, and I'm an avid wine collector and drinker. <laughs> Oh, see, now we're getting, the. I mean, I like the business stuff. I'm a business guy, but then we get to the fun stuff. So I'm curious, the way you answered that was very, uh, I mean, you actually did probably as good, if not a better job than anyone I asked. Sometimes they get these long answers. Sometimes they're short and concise. But uh, but if you're in a social environment, like, uh, do you have kids? No kids. Never married, no kids. No very kids. Lucky. Never married, okay. Single guy. Okay, cool then. So let's just say like you're in a social setting, you know, away from business and somebody asks you, do you go to wine uh, answer or do you talk about business or what do you say if you're like outside of a business setting? Really depends on the context, I guess. You know, if it's a social setting, you know, usually people do say, what do you do? So that's the answer that I'll give. Um, right. Traditionally, because I'm on, you know, the talking side of the screen like yourself, I traditionally will deflect and just go right back into asking them questions because I've learned over the years that most people listen to the same radio station of WIIFM. What's in it for me? So most people don't really care about what my answer is going to be. They just can't wait to talk. So I usually just deflect it back and ask them about themselves and just start asking them a bunch of questions. 
<laughs> well, cool. You I probably know the feeling, Tim. You probably know the feeling. I, I, I know the feeling. I'm the question answer, question asking guy. So usually I just love to say, okay, what do you do? Well, uh, where are you from and what drives you? What motivates you? So something that's fresh in my mind is a TEDx talk you did a few years ago. And, and I must admit the word when I first saw the title uh, naivety. I hope I even said it right, pronounced it right. And I was sitting here thinking, I was just thinking about being naive was really the theme of that. And it seems like in that talk, you almost, it seems like the theme of your life. So first of all, tell us what naivety is and, and how it's impacted you. And we'll, we'll put links to the TED Talk down in the notes so you don't have to give the TED Talk. But uh, just get, let's start off with that and let's see where it goes from there. Well, I don't know the actual Webster's definition of naive, but the context in which I came up with the name of that TED Talk and the name of my uh, ebook, which is I'll be more than happy to get you a copy to give to everybody for free as well, is after I had found some financial success, because most people don't really care about what successes you've had unless you've made a lot of money, it seems like. And so after I, after I finally found some financial success, people then wanted to say, well, what attributed to the fact of you finding financial success? Never mind all the other fun stuff I've done in my life. Only thing that really matters is that I've made millions of dollars. And so I want to, I've always liked to be unique and different. And I really wanted to think about something that hadn't been talked about a lot. And I kept coming back to this word of, I just didn't know any better. And I started kind of thinking about it. And I said, you know, I've always been really naive and it's gotten me in trouble. And it also became, helped me be, get into a boy band and run away with the circus. And it helped me become an entrepreneur and build an Inc. 500 company and sell it for $20 million. And so there's a lot of amazing things that came from me being naive and not knowing what was going to happen if I tried. And so I just tried. And I think as I've talked about it more and more over, over time, I think it's, well, I know it's because my parents even though they were very different and are very different than my type of mindset, they never tried to limit my thinking and what I could go for and achieve in my life. Even though they couldn't uh, uh, empathize with what I was trying to accomplish in my life, they never tried to hold me back. They always said, go for it. Work your butt off. You can achieve anything you want. I've realized over the years of mentoring hundreds and thousands of people that that's a very unique set of parents. But that's where I draw from the naive is I just didn't think about what could happen. I just jumped. And so that's where the power of naivety came in. I think it's a powerful thing. Most people think of naive in a negative tone when the reality is, is we're all naive. There's always something that we haven't done something we haven't experienced and we're naive to that and are we going to be controlled by our fear to so that we don't even uh, see what it's about or are we going to be optimistic and go i don't know but i'm going to find out yeah there's no doubt that a lot of people will take that naivety and use it to go negative obviously you've taken it and gone positive do you recall when you were first aware that you had that built into you? Was it very young? Was it after you had been through a few experiences, obviously you said, you know what, what caused me to either succeed or fail or whatever it was along the way there? 
When did you first recognize, hmm, I've got a little bit of naivety in me? Didn't think about it until I thought I got to come up with my shtick of what it was that attributed to my success. But so I never really thought about when I was younger that I was naive. I just always had that natural type mm. of personality and I didn't have parents that ever held me back. And so it wasn't until I had to think about it, what really attributed to my success that I really came upon, across the word naive. And like you said, I've never seen anybody talk about it. And the, the interesting thing is, is I'll say it to some people when they do something amazing, I'll be like, dude, you are so naive. I love that you did that. And they're like, what? What do you mean I'm naive? And I'm like, you didn't know that was going to happen when you said you were going to start a business when you didn't have a lot of money or experience, but you did it anyway, right? Well, that's naive of you to do that, right? Aren't you glad you're naive? And they're like, dude, you are weird, but yeah, I guess you're right. And I'm like, so sometimes I like to put a little spin on it because most people do use it in the negative thing, but in the reality, there's a positive side of it as well that I wish more people would talk about. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I, I love like getting new words to define things. And, and here's what popped in my head. And I do not watch a lot of television, but my wife and I watched um, the Ted Lasso series that was fairly popular. And there was something that he said, there's a famous scene. In fact, if you Google it, you can actually watch it where he, he talks about being curious. And he's, it's a dart scene where he's playing darts and all that. But, um, but he talks about how important it is to be curious. And I think that, that being naive and curious while they're not maybe siblings, they're cousins, they sort of, it's related to just be curious about things. Don't take things as they are. Don't believe that the world is set and fixed. There's new things and new things out there. And I'll tell you that fits so well into the general theme of what we do, which is redefining success in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I do want to tie that word in because you mentioned it. You said you mentioned success earlier and you said success for most people has to do with dollars. And, you know, later you had to revisit that. But tie in the word success with naivety, because one of the things that we do here is we try to blow up some of the paradigms related to success. We try to blow up the title the job, the role, the uh, bank account related to success. Can you can you mash those two together? Is that throwing? You can handle that. Sure. Talk to us about success. Well, sure. I think when you say redefine success, I think that most people just mm. have never even defined it in the first place. Mm. One of the things, especially with me mentoring startup entrepreneurs, is one of the things that they don't ever think about is is where are they trying to go. And I, and so when I say, where are you trying to go? What are you trying to get to? And they, I get the deer in the headlight looks and I say, look, and I say, how do you know you're going to be successful if you don't have a target? So success can be in the beginning a moving target because we're constantly evolving in life. I don't think we're necessarily changing. I like to use the word evolving more than change because I've gone through lots of iterations of things that uh, I've, uh, I have uh, uh, lived in my life, but First thing I do is I try to get people to determine what their definition of success is about. And I developed something called the goal mindset. And the goal mindset is similar to what you were talking about is it for me to feel successful. And I think that there's iterations of this and lots of the success manuals and goal setting books out there in the world. But I look at seven areas of my life. It's my relationship with God or my spiritual side, you know, depending on the person. It's the relationship with your family, the relationship with your with the love of your life, the relationship with your friends, your health and fitness, your career and money, 
and then philanthropy, giving back, expecting nothing in return. And I, for me to feel successful, certain areas of those seven might take priority. Like when I was broke, career and finance was a big priority. Um, when I was lost after I got out of my boy band days and I was lost, I really turned to God and God became a high priority in my life. Um, when I was tired of being alone, dating took a priority. So everything has priorities, but for me to feel successful, I've got to feel successful in all areas of my life, not just one area. There's a balance to it. And over time, as I evolve, there's different priorities within those areas that I look at depending on where I am in life at that point. Mm, yeah, that's good. I've, all right. So I've got about three or four questions that are kind of floating around in my head. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to sort them out. One of the things is, listen, I know the audience myself. I'm sitting here wanting to talk a little bit more about this boy band experience. Sorry about <laughs> that. But we'll come back to that later. <laughs> So, so if you're listening in and you go, tell me more about the boy band, just pause for a moment, because the thing that I really wanted to ask, you use the word evolve, I use the word redefine, we, we can throw a lot of words at this, but what I love to dig down and really identify with people, Sean, is over the years, as you've redefined, as you've evolved, as you've changed, as you've, you know, seen different things occur, how much of it was intentional? You made a decision and you said, I'm going for this. How much of it was, uh, I'll go back to the spiritual, was it God's hand or, you know, some people may have other beliefs, universe or whatever. I happen to believe that it's God. But, and, then, and then how much of it might just be pure luck? You just stumbled on it. You came out of one situation. All of a sudden, bam, you found yourself in, in another situation. And I know, I know I threw a lot of it at you, but I know you're a sharp guy. You can handle it. Well, I guess because I've looked back on my life, I'm a very control person, but I've realized over years I've got less and less control. So what are your thoughts on that evolution or that redefinition that's gone on with you? I love to live my life with intent. I'm that type of person and my, my, I, get the, I get it from, I've, I've had it ever since I was a kid. When I make a determination that I want something, there's literally nothing that's going to stop me from getting it. Some things I'll achieve a lot faster and sometimes, sometimes it'll take a lot longer, but I always have something that I am shooting for and I love to live my life with intent. Um, you know, the luck thing, entrepreneurs never want to say they're lucky, you know, but when I started my last company, I started it in Memphis, Tennessee, which I absolutely abhorred Memphis, Tennessee. I hated living there. But it just so happens that I was selling these business center internet kiosk systems to hotels that we've all used over the years. And I just happened to start my company in the, in the backyard of Hilton, you know, and was able to develop a big relationship with Hilton right off the bat. And then that helped me, you know, score a big contract that then catapulted my company. And had I not lived right there in Memphis, you know, would... Would I have seen the same amount of success? I don't know. So could that be lucky? Could that be the universe, God, whatever? But I've learned to not ever question a divine gift, but just accept it. And and that's actually from a movie, Clash, uh, Clash of the Titans, the original version. Um, <laughs> I'd like to take credit for that one. I can't because it's, so, it's such a good saying, but I, I, I didn't come up with that. But um, yeah, so yeah, I've always lived my life with intent. I've always, you know, always, you know, known exactly what I want. 
Um, and I, it was inbred in me as, as a kid. My dad was in the military. So he forced us to do things back in the day as parents did. You know, we were in every sport all year round. He was the coach, he was the umpire. So he forced us to really learn work ethic and, you know, never quit and be the best at whatever you're going to do, whether you want to or not. He was really old school. And that, even though I had a problem with authority when I was a kid against that, as I look back, I talk to my mom and dad and I'm like, I'm so thankful that you guys raised me that well because you should see the things that I have to deal with with people from a mindset perspective in the world. And I'm just so blessed that you guys instilled in me the things that you did. Um, so yeah, I always lived in tent. I always live with a purpose. I always live with a goal. And, and that's kind of just something that drives me is that I always know where I'm trying to get next. And this will spur another one because I, I could go on all day about this, but there's a guy who wrote a book uh, called The Gap, uh, Dan Sullivan. He's a, a coach up in Canada from Strategic Coach. And he just came out with a new book called The Gap and the Game. But the original little book he had was called The Gap. And I've learned because I was in the Strategic Coach coaching program to not live in the gap. And the way that he explained it was, even though you have goals that you're working towards, you can still be happy today. Because if you're like most entrepreneurs, you're never going to stop when you make the million or the 5 million or the 10 million. You're going to want more, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be happy. You know, your happiness isn't derived simply from the destination of a goal that you've achieved. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs could, and people could learn that, that we might be looking to buy a house. So we might want to be saving for a car to pay off student loans, but we can still be happy today in the moment knowing that we're still working towards goals. Hmm. Yeah, I used to struggle with that, man. I, I remember early 90s when is around the time of year recording this towards the end of the year. Some people might be listening after the first of the year. I would go through this goal setting process and sometimes it'd be like 21 pages long and it would be super detailed. I'm an engineer by training, so I, I can be very detailed. But then what's interesting is as, as I as some of those didn't pan out exactly like I listed, um, I would, I would start thinking in terms of, I will do certain things when I get to a certain place. Sometimes it was financial. Sometimes it was a business to a certain level, different things like that. And what I found over the years is that started eroding, not necessarily my confidence, maybe my, my, um, aspirations and my hope. And, um, and, and really it all came to a head really in 08 with a lot of business things we went through then, but that really leads into a question I wanted to ask you, cause I could, I could tell you're a, a positive guy, which I think we have to be to, to move forward in the world today. Cause there's so much negative coming at us, but I, I want to ask this and you, you peel back as many layers as you want to. At the time, what are some things, and if there aren't, then that's going to be interesting, but what are some things where you said, ooh, that was possibly a failure or possibly uh, didn't work out the way I thought, or I'm not so sure that that was as good as I had hoped. I don't, I don't even know how to word it here, but I think you kind of get the gist because I, I, I just want to kind of find out when are some times maybe that you were rattled or a little bit shaken 
and maybe taken off of what Sean's typical, you know, you're in the A plus range of positive. You maybe got it knocked down to a B, B minus, or even lower. Can you share one of those? We like to, we like to expose those on the show. I hope that's okay. Well, Tim, you might want to pull up a chair. <laughs> Give me a couple of the top two or so. <laughs> you might want to pull up a chair, pour yourself some iced tea, uh, and let's dig in because I got I got a wealth of those. <laughs> I actually call from the time I'm 23 till 32. I actually call that my decade of desperation because I lived 10 mm. years at like the low, almost the low. You know, we all have our lowest of lows, but it was the lowest of the lows of my life. I was never homeless. But I sure as heck claimed bankruptcy, lost my car, my house almost got foreclosed, you know, more times than I could imagine, bad credit, calling mom and dad for $50, you know. So I've got plenty of those types of, of uh, stories. My worst story is that I had gotten my brother during that time to loan me some money five or $10,000. It wasn't even a lot of money to me today, but back then it was the world. And he was pretty successful. And in the business that I wanted to start, it went south. I did everything I could, but it was just a crappy idea and a crappy business. And I lost all the money. And it totally uh, ruined my brother and I's relationship. Uh, you know, here he is, now loaning me money and I can't pay him back. And he wants me to pay him back. And I'm like, dude, I don't have the money. So he's mad. And I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? I'm already in the worst situation I am that not only am I don't have the money that you loan me, but I don't even have any money. And it took our relationship south. Like we don't even talk today, but later on, after I ended up finding some financial success, I actually wrote him a check with a lot of interest and we, we, uh, we rekindled the relationship a little bit. It went south again, but um, that was probably a, one of the worst, you know, moments was the losing a relationship, blood relationship over something as trivial as money, even though we hear it happening all the time, it is a bummer that it happened to me. So that's one of them that was, that didn't go so well. And it's very challenging to talk about that among everybody that you meet that says, oh, you got any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I got a brother. We don't talk. I mean, it's, it's just, there's no easy way to say it and it's very uncomfortable. So that lives with me pretty much every day. Um, just did a, just did a post on Instagram today. It said, uh, you know, 15 years ago, I remember opening my cabinet doors and they're only being ketchup and, and mustard, you know, but I still believed that I was going to be a success and I didn't give up. You know, there were plenty of times I actually remember taking a picture of my pantry and my freezer and there was literally nothing in there, but the ice cube tray. That's how you know broke I was, and this is just part of the course. But I've had so many moments like that that uh, you know that I I could have a laundry list of them. What is the value? This is something I ask myself a lot. Similar stories, by the way. We could I could share similar stories, and even so much to the point that my sister and I were in business with real estate companies, and the split up and downfall of those after '08 did cause a lot of friction. We are interacting and, and together now helping with our parents and things like that. So there has been some restoration, but very difficult times. But I put a lot of thought into this, Sean, and I, I, I here's the way I say it. And I'm, these are my words. I'm going to let you kind of chime in. 
I would not wish my journey on anyone. My wife and I say this all the time, but I am so thankful that I went through it because I don't think I would have the gratitude, appreciation uh, of doing what we're doing today, the way we live and things like that if we didn't do it. Um, I mean, there's certain things I do not want to revisit, but to you, you know, we could we could always look at the negatives. I mean, listen, I'm sure you're hungry. You had issues with, you know, finances and all that. But what is the value that you took from that decade of desperation? Well, there wasn't a lot of value. <laughs> you know, there was a lot of takeaways well, and a lot of learning lessons. Takeaways. You know, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, 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 what are you lessons, using now? There wasn't yeah. much of value to it um, as far as value is concerned. Well, I mean, I think the bottom line here too, Tim, is, you know, we're a little bit older. I think people that are younger these days, and actually anybody of any age today is a heck of a lot better off than I was in my 20s. Because today we have technology. Today we've got podcasts like like, like yours. We've got Instagram Lives. We've got YouTube. We've got Google. We've got a plethora of different places that you can connect with people literally today that will coach you and mentor you and help you. When we were growing up, you know, we could swap ages, you know, I'm ready when you're ready. I'm thinking I'm older. Um, But I don't know. Let's go ahead. Let's go and get it on the table. I just turned 58. Okay. I'm 51. All right. Well, you look, okay. All right. You got me beat. You got me beat. (laughs) Well, you look great for 58, man. that means you might think I look look younger. You look great, so I appreciate man. You look great, that, man. That's that's buttering me you up. Look there. Thank you look you. great. You look great. All right, so let's keep going. Keep so they say is, you know, in, back in our day, we didn't have that. We could go buy a book, which there weren't that many. We could maybe go to some conference, which was rare back in the day. We had those email newsletters that you could subscribe to, but you were never going to jump on a. Instagram live with a a millionaire and ask them questions like I do almost every day. You could never jump on Clubhouse or all of the hundreds of thousands of coaches and mentors and consultants these days. So, you know, I don't think that people have to go through the things that we went through because we, they have access to mentors and coaches. If back in the day when I was 23, 24 years old, I would have met somebody that would have said for a hundred bucks a month or 200 bucks a month, I will be your mentor or get you in a community and we will help you learn the basic fundamentals of building a business or, uh, or creating a skill. I would have been like, sign me up. You wouldn't even have to tell me twice. Back in our days, we didn't have that. These days, People have access to that. So I think people don't have to struggle as much as we did. Doesn't mean they still aren't because our parents taught us differently. The the kids today that are under 30, they want things handed to them. And so, hey, why would there, this is the generation of, why would I pay you a hundred dollars when I can get all the information on Google and YouTube for free? Well, how's that working out for you? That's the first question I always ask. Well, how's that working out for you? Of course, all of the information is available for us out there. And I could do this all day too. You stop me whenever you want to stop me. But, you know, all the information is out there. But the problem is you don't know what to ask for. You don't know what kind of search to do. 
what are you going to do if you're talking to Tim and you say, oh, hey, Tim, I need some uh, business leader. I need some business coaching. Are you going to go to Google and say, OK, Google, let me tell you, 24 years old. I dropped out of school. I've had some odd jobs. You know, I'm barely making ends meet. I'm living with my parents. I got a car. You know, what do you suggest that I should do right now if I want to get on track? What are you, are you really going to type that into Google? No. You know, so it doesn't matter if all the information is there, because if, if I explain that situation to you, you would go, cool. So is your goal to be an entrepreneur? Cool. Have you ever started a business? No. Okay. Why don't you start with this book? Why don't you start with understanding what business is about and take some business, read some business planning videos on YouTube or whatever. So you could help that person with the path. You're like their GPS on their phone to get to the restaurant. You're their GPS to get them to the business. So I just don't think that people have to struggle as much as you and I did. Hmm. They're already so the struggling. Think about that, it. They're already struggling. Yeah, yeah. Most people are struggling. They just, they just don't know what to do about it. So when you were talking about that, Sean, what popped in my head is, first of all, there's access. I can't grab my phone. It's above my camera right here but you know I grab the phone here and say we they've got access today we have access to the world literally in the palm of our hands and you know where I grew up and when you grew up I'm a little older but you know the people in our neighborhood maybe our school maybe in our town we sort of had access to that we had three channels on TV and that was pretty much it I'm wondering if there's been a loss of naivety I'm wondering if we were we were naive because we didn't have access to everything. What are your thoughts on that to tie it back to a conversation we had earlier? I don't th I don't think I would connect the two with with naive. I think it's today it's a lot more fear. Because mm -hmm. I tell you, man, I deal with this. Imagine having an Instagram account with a million followers called Ask a Millionaire. Can you imagine how many what the types of conversations I get? The majority are with people who are fearful, limited mindsets. They don't have people. If you and I were sitting around talking and we were sharing ideas, you would be like, cool, Sean, here's what I would recommend. And you know what? Hey, I might be able to introduce you to some people. And have you ever thought of this? Those people go to their parents and their friends. And when they talk about ideas, the first thing people say is, well, you don't need to do that. That's never going to work. So they get, they develop this natural sense of fear. The naivety is beat out of them. They don't even get a choice. The, the worst thing that people want to do is tell people their ideas because everybody then and their mother becomes an expert and tells them how they're not going to do it. And so that's like the first thing I have to beat into somebody is, listen, move to a better island. Get off of that island of negativity and limited mindsets and people don't, don't understand what you're going through and what you want out of life and go join a community, get on an island of people that do, and it, that, that in itself is going to change your life. Because think about it, you know, this 1% thing, right? I talk about millionaire a lot because that's just my, you know, shtick of ask a millionaire, but let's just say 1% are the top income earners, right? That literally means out of 100 people, only one person is going to think that way and be living that life. One, that's how lonely it is. But today, and we were that when we were first starting, today, literally, you could go find an island of 100 people that are all one percenters and join that club like today. And it isn't hard to find. Like it's so easy to find those groups of 
like-minded people. We didn't have that when we were younger. So today it's like, I don't think it's the naivety as much as the fear and the, and the analysis paralysis of knowing what to trust. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I don't know. I mean, cause my children are at the age you're talking about and uh, they're doing great things, but I can still see some of the things you're talking that, about it. But times. that's because you are it's, the parent. Well, <laughs> it is, but, but some of it, yeah, some of it is exactly what we're saying. I mean, listen, there's just different times. There's access to more, but there's also access to more. And that could be positive or negative depending on, uh, you know, what you're looking at there. I, I want to pause. I want to come back to the millionaire and, and I want to talk about the questions you get. I want to talk about your business experience that led into it. But I want to back up a little bit because you shared, <laughs> you, I saw this on your TED Talk, you shared that you watched MTV, you wanted to be a rock star, then you got in a boy band. Just real quickly, give us a, a little bit of that story before we jump back to the business thing, because I'm just curious. Speaking of curiosity, I am just curious about it on how somebody goes, because I, I was a product of MTV too. I loved watching it. I wish I hadn't watched it as much as I did. I wish I had some of that time back, truthfully, because I, I sat there just staring at the TV for the early part of the 80s a good bit. So share us about the, the, the boy band, circus, all that stuff. Give us a little bit on it that. It was way better back in the day. I don't know what it's like today, but <laughs> MTV used to be like it, right? Um, they had videos. It was actual yeah, videos. It was amazing. It was amazing. Okay, so it, I'll tell you, Tim, it happened so fast, the whole journey of it all, that it, it, it was like, it happened and it was over. And I was like, oh, that was fun. And I never really thought about it until people started asking me about it, but it's very applicable to how I transitioned into business and everything as well. So I was living in, I grew up in Alaska. My dad was in the army, grew up in a very small town in Alaska. MTV came out. I got into choir when I was a sophomore in high school. Me and a couple of friends were in a line to, to sign up for our electives and there were a bunch of cute girls in this one line and we we're like, we need to go check that out. So we go over there and it's choir and we're like, sign us up. I had never sang in my entire life. Ends up, I liked it. I was pretty decent at it. Turned out that I was a good dancer too. Didn't know that. And so I really got into choir in high school uh, and our swing choir did this little national competition and we flew to Southern California for this national competition. And while I was down there, this big nonprofit song and dance company held auditions that if after you graduated high school, you could come move to California and get involved in their group and they would teach you everything there was about performing. And it was like a little college nonprofit. You had to pay a little bit, but you got to meet a lot of great people that sang and dance and develop friendships and all that type of stuff. And I was like, done. So two weeks after graduating high school, I said, you know, I want to get on MTV. You know, I, I want to be a rock star. I want to be famous. You know, I want to be one of those people. And so my mom's like, well, you're not going to do it here. And I said, you're right. I'm moving to California. So that big, as I look back, the learning lesson was I've always learned I got to go where the opportunity is. So, so that's, that's a big, big takeaway that I never really thought about until I think about it now. So I moved to Southern California, 1988, took six months of off of going to school, party during the summer. I was in the middle of bikini weather and everything in Southern California. Guy coming down from Alaska was like pretty fun time, Tim. And got into this song and dance company for about a year and a half, got back into school. And then 
I started doing these auditions in Hollywood back in the day, kind of like American Idol and The Voice and things like that. They used to have auditions and they would print the auditions in this newspaper, like a physical print newspaper, because this was before the internet. And one of my older friends who was kind of like a mentor in singing, he had toured with like Barry Manilow and all these people. And he calls me up in the morning and he says, Sean, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm going to school, man, just like I do every day. He's like, you need to get up to Hollywood right now because they're having an audition. I'm like, well, what is it for? And he's like, they're looking for 13 to 17 year old kids, um, recording contract, possible national tour. And I'm like, dude, I'm 20. Actually, I'm 21. He's like, yeah, but you look like you're 16. I'm like, he's like, get your butt up there. And I'm like, you know, and this is like a lot of times in life, people approach you with opportunities and you're, you know, sometimes I, I could have just said, nah, I'm not going to go. But he's like, I trusted this guy. He was like a big brother to me. And he's like, get your butt up. So I went up there. So over the course of five days, we did the, I had to go up five days in a row for this audition. There were about 10,000 kids auditioning. And I ended up getting it. Me and two other guys end up winning this thing. And when we win it, we're in this studio in this on the last day where they're picking the final guys, they were taking us from like 30 to 20 and 10 and mixing and matching to see who was going to look good and who the height and then everything in walks this really short guy that it was obvious that he was like the man. And so they sit down, they finally finish and, and they say, okay, you guys have won and you've won for the LA part. We're also auditioning in Orlando and New York and Chicago and they said, do you guys even want to know what this is about? We didn't even know what we were auditioning for. Like, that's how funny it was. That's talk about naivety. Like, here I am committing five days of my life to not even know what I'm auditioning for. And turns out this guy was the owner of, the, of Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. His name was Kenneth Phil. And they start telling us and everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And I raised my hand and I said, hey, can someone tell me what Ringling Brothers Circus is because I've never heard of it. And they all start looking at this table and I'm thinking, oh, I just really kind of piss some people off. And then Kenneth stands up and goes, oh, you're the kid from Alaska. No wonder you don't know what it is. We don't go to Alaska. He says, you've never been to the circus? And I'm like, no. And he's like, they start talking. And he goes, you know what? We're going to take you guys to the circus tonight. You're going to be my guest. So we end up going to the circus with the owner. It was fun, but that was my first experience. But the whole deal was because of his clout and the other two guys that were his partners, they had already negotiated a, a record deal with Warner Brother Records. We were going to go on tour with the circus. They waited about two and a half weeks to tell us because they had those other cities that they were auditioning. Um, so I don't know if that was real or not, just to put the scare in us. But two weeks later, I remember getting the phone call on me and I had four roommates. We were renting, renting a four bedroom house for college. And my friend answers the phone. And he says, hey, it's Kenneth Field's office. He's like, you got it. You got it. I'm like, I haven't even talked to him yet. And I remember us all just bouncing off the walls that I'm joining the circus. So that, that's how it started. So we spent a whole year. We recorded an album, traveled with Ringling Brothers Circus, played every major arena, got in the teen magazines got on MTV. Uh, and man, it was it was an absolute blast. And then after the year, they said, Hey, guys, thanks. You did a great job. We wish you the best. And it was over, like in a blink of you, an eye. 
Bam. So your your boy band done. You're not you're you're become a man now. Move on. Did, was there? Do you recall how much money was involved? Do you oh, we made to share that. I'm curious. Is there big money there? Is it okay? Is it just no? Maybe? You know, there it wasn't big money like hundreds of thousands. I think I made like hundred grand that year. But what's cool was like every young like, what, like every young person, I had maxed out all these credit credit cards. I had all these student loans that I had taken to go to school for the year and a half. And so over the course of that year, I was able to pay off everything that I had borrowed and then was left with like 10 grand at the end of the year and then had this whole year of amazing experience. So there wasn't a mm -hmm. lot of money, but it, it was, it wasn't even really about the money. Of course, it was about just the experience at 22 years old, traveling the country. It was, it was, it was life-changing. <laughs> All right. So very cool. All right. So we're going to like fast forward and let's pretend that Sean at 21, whatever years old you were, that you came out of that. And instead of going through your, you know, desperation decade or whatever we called it, that there was a resource out there called Ask a Millionaire that let's try to mash together the the then and then now. And, and first of all, I want you to tell everybody what it is with the Ask a Millionaire. And then I'm going to kind of ask you some of the resources there. I'm going to ask you some of the questions that you get. We've already talked about fear and things like that. But, but what I, what I kind of wanted to pretend is all of a sudden, Sean at 21, coming out of boy band circus, all of a sudden you're looking around and there's a resource like what you have today. First of all, is that one of the reasons you created it? it yeah, that was the exact reason I created it. If, cool. Tell us about it. Tell us about it. Then. So after I, and I, and I say this on my Ted talk, as you heard, I, after I had become famous, which I wasn't famous, but I was in my own head famous, right? You know, the quotation mark famous. Yeah. I said, okay, cool. Now it's time to be rich. And so I said, okay, how do you become rich? Do you go back to school and get a job like everybody? Or I had heard that becoming a business owner was the way to become rich. So I'm like, I'll just go do that talk about naivety, right? If I had met at that moment and Instagram was around and I would have been at that, I would have been just like the people that find me on Instagram now searching for motivation and millionaire and success and all that type of stuff. Anybody that searches for success and motivation and millionaire on Instagram always finds my account. It's like, you know, the biggest account, one of the, one of the biggest accounts for that. And I would have literally followed me got on my live streams, me, I would have said, the Ask a Millionaire guy would have said, hey, Sean, how cool, what a cool story. So you want to be a business owner? Cool. Jump in my mentorship group and I'm going to teach you how to become a business owner. And it's going to start with hard work, which I know you'll do. You got to start making some money and saving some money and developing a skill. And then we got to figure out what area of business you're going to get into. And maybe during that time, I can introduce you to somebody who might hire you and have you start working with them and get you making more money. And then maybe you can become a partner of theirs, or maybe I can hook you up with a, with a business opportunity of a franchise or expanding another location, but let's get to know each other and let's develop a relationship. And I would have went boom, done. How do I sign up? Because I can always go get a job as a waiter. You know, back in the day, we would get jobs as waiters and telemarketers. And, you know, those are the ways that we made money when we didn't have a, a college degree. Back in the day, you had to have a college degree to get even a, $35,000, a year job. You know, now you can do that today, like in your sleep driving for Uber or DoorDash or any of those companies, you can make 50, 60 grand a year 
just putting in the hours. But I would, that's how I would have connected with Ask a Millionaire back then was show me the way. And every person, that the uniqueness of what I do with Ask a Millionaire is I try to teach people that everybody is unique. Everybody has their own background. Everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own resources. Everybody has a different amount of money. Everybody lives in a different place. Everybody has different parents. I have got to, as a mentor as, as that I'm going to be for you, I have to get to know you. So don't, so one of the popular questions I get it is somebody might say, Hey, Sean, what books do you recommend? And I'm like, well, what do you need? You know, what, what, what do you need? Are you trying to build a team? Do you already have a million dollar business and you're trying to build a team and be a good leader? Or are you trying to be a graphic designer? Or are you trying to just develop mindset? Are you trying to, what, what is it that you need in your life to learn right now? And they look at me and they're like, I don't even understand what you're saying. I just wanted a book recommendation. I'm like, I got to teach you, my brother. You know, so it's like, that's one. I, I try to tell people the best advice. Everybody says, you know, so Sean, what's the best advice you could give to somebody? And I say the advice that they need. The answer to the question mm -hmm. that they need to answer. That's the best advice that I could give somebody, which means I need to develop a relationship with them and I got to get to know them so I can help them get to that next step, whatever it might be. And sure. So let's get a little bit more detail here. So let's say someone uh, finds you, they jump in, uh, they, they either follow you on social. I don't know if you've got a community there, but uh, from a granular level, do they join? Do they just watch? Do you have some things that are available for free? I know you do a lot of lives and things like that. I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about that. But, uh, but someone who's exposed to you, obviously you have probably a level that someone can come into that, you know, there may be some financial commitment from them, which I believe that's a good thing. But what do people find? All right, so someone listening right now said, oh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I get to, do I get to talk to a millionaire every day? Does, does he bring other people in? Is it just him? Tell us a little bit more about expectations when someone connects with you. Okay, so it's evolved over the last five years. When I initially started it, I got enamored by Instagram just because I liked Instagram. And I'm a visual person. This was before live stream even came out. This was 2015. I had found some motivational accounts on Instagram where they were posting pictures of yachts and cash and gold watches and, and Rolls Royces and all these exotic cars. And I'm like, who in the heck runs these accounts because this is not how a millionaire lives. Not every millionaire, at least. I reached out to a couple of them and most of them were little kids, like 15, 16 year old kids, mostly from India, which was really interesting. There's a huge population of Indian users on Instagram and they love motivation and in the West. Well, I ran across this one guy and he's like, yeah, Sean, he says, there's a cool little way that you can build up your Instagram and actually make money on Instagram. And I'm like, well, let's try it. Let's have fun. He goes, well, just come up with a username and then we'll help you. And I started thinking about it because I'm just a business guy. So I'm like, what would be a fun username? And what do people look at me for? Because I want to keep this authentic. And I said, you know, people always want to ask me questions about how I did it. I'm just going to call it Ask a Millionaire. It, it was just catchy. This guy ended up teaching me Instagram and helping me build the account. And like literally when a couple of years had gotten up to, you know, about a million followers and then live streaming came out actually first on an application called Periscope, which was, which was purchased by Twitter. And so I went over to 
Periscope and started the Ask a Millionaire channel. And that's, and I was just doing, I just did it for fun. I did it to give back. And I was spending so much time answering questions in the direct message section of Instagram. It was, I was literally doing it like 12 hours a day. I had sold my company. I was just enjoying time in Manhattan Beach, California, taking some time off the beach. And I was just answering questions just to be a nice guy because I didn't, wasn't doing it for the money. So then finally live streaming came out and I was like, now this is really cool. I don't have to answer any direct messages. I can just point the camera, let people ask me questions so much easier. And then Instagram came out with it. And so I, I don't do it every day, but I try to do it as many days as I can because I still have a life. And, but born out of it was people started asking me about what made you success. And that's how I came up with the power of naivety. Then, then um, I came up with a slogan for Ask a Millionaire called Most Won't, I Will, which is this little emblem I've got here. It's a special fist pump that has an M and a W in it with the fingers. And I, this is kind of my brand. People always said, you know, well, why, you know, what do you think makes people successful? And I'm like, I came up with something that I, it's probably been around a long time. Successful people are willing to do what unsuccessful people won't do or don't know how to do. And that's why they're successful. And I call it most won't, I will. Most won't do the things that we do, I will. And that's why I'm a success. And then they said, well, would you mentor us? We, we know you do this live, live stream thing, but we actually want to talk to you. There was like a group of people. And I said, sure, I'll form a little Facebook group. You guys can join. I'll charge you a hundred bucks. Come on in. So I started doing this little Facebook group called most won't, I will. Did that for about a year. It had gotten up to a couple, you know, three, four, 500 members. Then I'm like, gosh, this thing has taken a lot of work and I'm mentoring all of these people that are, have their own little small businesses. And I'm like, I started to get the itch again. I'm like, I'm ready to start another business. You know, I'm, I'm getting the itch myself. So I talk to my advisors and my mentors and I say, what should I do? And they say, Hey, if you've already got this huge following, why don't you just keep coaching and mentoring and form a business out of that? So I said, great. So I said, what's missing out there? Where's the biggest need? The biggest need and I was in an organization that was for entrepreneurs that had built a million dollar business or, or above, but there wasn't a lot out there for the young entrepreneur or the new entrepreneur under a million. There were all these business accelerators that were curriculums and they were expensive and there was an application process and it, and there, it just wasn't, it just wasn't as uh, flexible as, as I knew that people instinctually wanted, at least from the social media stuff I saw. And I was like, I'm just going to start my, my own organization for entrepreneurs. And I called it Accelerators Organization. So now to, to circle back to your, to your question, on Instagram, Ask a Millionaire, it's a motivational Instagram account. I throw some fun stuff up there too. And I know that you don't curse on here, but I, I curse on my Instagram account. So anybody coming over, there are some F-bombs every now and then. And, I, and sometimes I'll post some really um conflictive confrontational type post just to boost engagement it gets people going sometimes it might be political sometimes it might be guys and girls dating and just getting people ruffled up you know and having some fun i do my instagram live streams which is where i'll do kind of a q a like this and i'll just be you know on instagram the comments scroll up and people ask questions i'll be like all right the next question comes from john and i'll pin it and john says how do i get rid of people in my life that suck and I'll be like, you know, I get this question a lot, John, let me answer this. And I'll just answer it for him. And sometimes I'll bring people into the live stream and I'll have a conversation with them, like a little consultation for free and just get to know people. 
all during that, I'm promoting my accelerators organization group. And I say, hey, listen, if you like what you're getting here and you're in business and you don't have any mentors, which is why you're following this crazy guy on Instagram, get in my mentorship group. We charge a hundred bucks a month. It's like there's, and I recruited 20 of my friends who all are millionaires and all run successful businesses and they have different experiences. And, and I built this virtual and I tell them all about it. So with Ask a Millionaire, they get the Instagram account, some live streams. I don't like to direct message uh, answers and things like that because it's just too time consuming these days. Um, and But my, my mentoring organization, accelerators organization is specifically for people who are entrepreneurs or they know they want to be an entrepreneur and they want help. Sure. Now you mentioned, you kind of gave a, a range of, you know, the 1 million and, and lower. And I, I agree that's a very underserved business market. I've got a few clients in that arena and then I've got some that go up much higher than that. Um, but, but you've, you've mentioned age a few times. And so maybe you kind of want to, I've got like a question or two as we wrap up here. Is it really for 21 year old Sean? Is it really, does it skew younger? Is that a high percentage of your, and I know you don't eliminate, you know, if, if I decided to come in and check you out, but but is it really, I mean, listen, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't use a lot of profanity, but listen, in the world we're in today, there's a lot of words that are just, you know, integrated into society. And, and that's probably to get the attention of people and things like that. But is it younger? I mean, what's your avatar? What's your audience? What's your description? It's actually, it's actually older. The majority of our group really? is probably more in the 25 to 45 range. And I would say it skews more towards the 30 to 45. We've got a couple of young people in there that are just starting out uh, in life and in business, but the majority of our group are more in that 28 to 45 range. Uh, so age, age is, I'm agnostic to age. I'm actually agnostic to age, agnostic to any of the other gender LGBTQ, political, sexual, that, that type of stuff is agnostic to me. I'm a, mm. I'm an equal person for everything in life. And we've got a very diverse group. It's really specifically for people that just need help going from zero to a million. And because that group of people, zero to a million, that road has already been paved. It's pristine. There's no speed bumps. There's it's, it's a 50 lane highway there's not much uniqueness from zero to a million. After you get to a million, then you start worrying, then you start really getting into well, what team building and uh, industry and growing vertically and horizontally and all these other big terms that million dollar businesses need. But the majority of businesses don't even get to a million. They just don't, statistically speaking. Yeah. So if I can help somebody get to a million, that's a huge feat. And we've done that. But it's, it's easy. And, and the majority is in the zero to a million, regardless of whether they're 21 or 40, it's all mindset. It's all mindset. And they won't get it until I get, until I get my claws in them. I, I mean, I got to get claws in people to where we almost fight our, you know, verbally fight. And they're just, you're just such a jerk. And I'm going, well, that's good. We're getting emotional here. That's good. Because I got to, like Tony Robbins says, I got to just shake people up to get them to start thinking different and realizing that the only person holding them back is you. And, and, and so uh, the zero to a million is a, all about mindset and helping them just understand that 
everything they're going through, everybody who's built a business has gone through it. You know, no offense, Tim, but you just ain't that special. You just ain't. <laughs> you're just not special that you're struggling. I know it sucks to hear that, but Tim, you're not special. And that just hurts. Yeah, yeah. But 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 my, but my situation <laughs> is unique and it's really interesting. It is unique, but yet it's not. And I love the fact that we're kind of going to bring this thing home with mindset because to me as I look back on all that I've done, all that I've people I've worked with, there's just the mindset that separates people apart. And uh, you mentioned this earlier, and this might be my last question before we wrap, is, you know, you mentioned that some people say, which book should I be reading? And you tell them it depends on where you are and things like that. But if you could give a broad mindset tip as we finish up here, what might that be that if someone's just kind of leaning towards, you know what, I'm a little bit restless. I need to be doing something else. I want to be doing more. Um, first of all, I think that's their mindset's already moving in the right direction. But just give us, uh, again, we know we can't do specific here, but broad, Sean, let's do that. And then I've got a couple questions and we'll wrap. Well, I would tell them that you don't know what you don't know. So find somebody that you trust, get a mentor. There's mentors that will do it for free. Maybe somebody that you know, your, your boss, your you know, if you're fortunate enough to have a good boss or maybe parent, friends of your parents' parents, you know, that, you know, whatever, just find somebody to talk to who is maybe where you might want to be someday. Maybe not as big as where they are, but they at least are farther ahead in the journey because there just isn't a book. There just isn't a video. There just isn't one thing that's going to magically change your life forever. It's a, it's a culmination of a lot of different resources that are going to come through. But at the end of the day, I can have 15 people here in my, in my property that have paid five grand to be here for a weekend. And every single time they all say the same thing, no matter what curriculums and teachings that we give them, that nothing replaces the camaraderie and the relationships that they build, that they got people that understand them, that accept them, that don't judge them, that are there for them, that will kick them in the butt when they need it, that will lift them up when they need it. There's no substitute for relationships. There's nothing more miserable than sitting at home by yourself, feeling sorry for yourself like nobody understands you or cares about you. And that is the life of an entrepreneur. We think that nobody gets us, nobody understands us. We have to do it all by ourselves. And that is so Neanderthalish thinking because there are communities like mine. I'm just one of many that you could literally join in a day and be surrounded around amazing people. And that's the mindset shift of you don't have to be the typical. I say it's a guy thing because it mostly is because guys are more like this. It's not a you have to do everything by yourself and you have like I'll finish with this because you might like this one, Tim. Okay, this is one that I think you're gonna like. It absolutely boils my skin when I hear people like Will Smith, who I love, that says, go out there and fail. What kind of advice is that? Go out there and fail. I think that is the most ridiculous statement to make. Why would you tell someone to go fail? I understand the motivation of it of, hey, it's okay to fail, but 
don't tell somebody to go fail. Who wants to fail? And I think that in in the specific of the zero to, there are so many mistakes that people make that could be avoided if they would just ask for help. There's a lot of things I know that I've screwed up that if I had talked to you, that you would have said, hey, Sean, there might be a different way that you could approach this. Let's look at this. And I would have, and I probably would have been like, you know, Tim, you're right. That just saved me my time and my money and the aggravation. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Or I could listen to Will Smith that says, just go fail. <laughs> no. I don't get it. I don't now, get it. Now that we beat up on Will, I, lo- I love Will. Poor Will. Poor Will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the um I love the ask for help. I, I love the exclamation point at the end of this conversation. Ask for help. Humility. Don't be a, don't be in a shell and say, I, I, I've got to figure it all out. No, there's plenty of help out there. If someone wants to find you to get some of that help, tell us where, give us all your coordinates, places to go, things like that. We'll include it in notes. And then after you give that, I've got one more question. Ask a Millionaire on Instagram. I run the account by myself, so you can always send me a direct message if you want to connect, follow for motivation and fun stuff. For business mentoring, which you can still connect me on the Ask a Millionaire on Instagram, it's acceleratorsorg.com. You can book a demo to see what it is we do. You can sign up. Everything is there, who our mentors are, uh, but those are the best Those are the best two places. Perfect. We'll include that down in the notes. We are Seek, Go, Create, Sean. You can only pick one of those words. Which one resonates with you, means the most to you right now, and why? Seek, go, or create? Which one do you think I would do? Hmm. I think I would think go, but that's just me from talking to you. You answer it. I'm a seeker. Hmm. I always think it starts from the beginning. In order to know where I'm going to go, I got to seek you know, what's going to inspire me. And I am a constant learner. I love to experience new things. I always tell them I'm a big foodie and I always say, I'll try any food twice. I, I just love to learn new things. Um, love to execute. I love to go. Uh, I'm not much of a creator, but uh, I'm definitely a seeker and a goer. Maybe that's because I'm a Gemini. I have both. I could be a seeker. There's, I'm a seeker and a goer because I'm a Gemini. I got both. <laughs> Good. So he tries to pick two, but man, I love that seek being first. That tells me a lot about someone. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for uh, spending the time with us. Thanks for uh, sharing. I love the heart that you have for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your experiences with people. And we've, uh, we, we're definitely blessed because of that. If you've listened in and this has meant something to you, it's touched you, or you know someone that could benefit from this, I'll ask a big favor, and that is share this episode. Share it if it's on social or YouTube, wherever you're watching, wherever you're consuming this, share it. That's the number one way that people get access to new podcasts, new YouTube channels, is when it is shared. So please, please do that for us. It's awesome having Sean here. You can go and check all the notes later, connect with him, find him on Instagram, find him on the places he's at, and uh, make sure you continue listening in here at Seek, Go, Create. New episodes every Monday, and continue being all that you were created to be.